0: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Shot and Tenere Football Outsiders Live. The newly renamed Twitch cast, Shots and Tenere runs with shots and beer. No shots today because I'm driving. I'm driving. Aaron Shots has off. But I have with me a couple of special guests here from the Football Outsiders crew, starting with J.P. Acosta. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm
1: glad to be on for a second week in a row. Yes. Can't get rid of me now.
0: <laughs> Can't get rid of you. So, Northwestern, your alma mater...
1: I'm no. currently at Northwestern, so f- future alma mater. One and one. Exactly. Yes, sir.
0: Going up against the Blue Devils, right?
1: Yep. This is the battle for all the nerd schools. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Ruggers, where I pay Greg Shadow's salary right now, <laughs> 2 and oh and facing the mighty Blue Hens of Delaware. So be jealous, because I think you got a tougher test this week. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Hey, don't sleep on Duke uh, during football season as they wait for basketball season. Also <laughs> with me, baby says, Kale Clinton. Good to see you, sir. Yeah,
2: good to be back. No, really excited. Football's back, and your uh, your salary that you're paying for Greg Schiano just paid dividends against Syracuse football last week. A brutal <laughs> first half with a zero zero outcome. Yep. Not yeah. fun. Not fun. No,
0: not fun. They played hard though. They were they were you know lot of heart. Yeah, yeah they the have a lot of heart.
1: There. That's the great and
2: grind.
0: Now, am I crazy, Carol? Last time I saw you, you had a beautiful locks of lumberjack love down here.
2: A luscious <laughs> mustache that I could twist and put a oh, little yeah. wax into. thats uh, That's gone, and I miss it dearly.
0: Uh, See, that's a shame. Man, I, mean, I, I had a gift for you here. I had some beard oil, and it works for mustaches as well, but I'll have to wait until everything grows back before we send it. Now that you've got to go back to the full Fitzy. Yes. Make it work. Really get it, it back. <laughs> well, we will keep keep you posted here as you return for future episodes of our shows. And just remember, this is our Thursday show. Football Outsiders providing five days a week, five days a week of Twitch casts. On Monday, you can check out the uh, Edge Sports and Football Outsiders weekend recap with Aaron Schatz. And they'll be digging deep. Into some coaching decisions and some probabilities and some odds and some point spreading information. You can check that out on Monday, Tuesday, waiver wire. Scott Spratt and Derek Classen. That's the first of two fantasy shows each week. Wednesday, it's Ask Me Anything. That will be uh, me and Aaron Shots, but it is not Shots and near Football Outsiders live. It's just Shots and from Football Outsiders live, but a different format. Mm-hmm. We're doing what we're doing here now. And then on Friday, f- Football Outsiders Fantasy Show with Scott Spratt and Scott Pianowski. Two Scots talking about start sits. That's a tongue twister, but it's a lot of fun to watch, and it gives you a lot of information. But you know, you know what the best thing today is, guys. The best thing about the Thursday every week is we get to turn the page. Yes, sir. We can stop uh, uh talking, jumping to conclusions about week one, and we can all pull our inner Bob Seeger and turn the page and talk about week two. We got a big game of the week here that I think we want to start out with, and that's Chiefs against Ravens. There's a lot of re- injury news going on. A lot of optimism I guess around the Chiefs a lot of pessimism about the Ravens and, and JP I think you have some takes on this game coming in is that correct
1: yeah I mean this is going to be a real I want to say it's a litmus test for the Ravens but it's going to be it's going to test Wink Martindale specifically and how long he can keep playing this blitz heavy cover zero if you beat me you beat me kind of scheme because right. Patrick Holmes has beaten that scheme three times rather handily and yes. against the Raiders, you kind of saw the problems with playing all this cover zero, cover one, blitz heavy. I, I love it. I think it works. But mm-hmm. when it doesn't work, when the pressure doesn't get home, you don't have a Marcus Peters back there anymore. Right. You got Anthony Everett, who played rather well against the uh, Raiders, but you saw the big completions coming down to the wire because they just couldn't cover. They couldn't hold on for long enough. And mm-hmm. going against the Chiefs, where... If you blitz, Mahomes is going to make you pay, especially if you let him outside the pocket. This is going to be a huge test for wink Martindale in that defense. I haven't even talked about the Ravens' offensive line yet, which was, <laughs> oh, my God. It was, I think Lamar was pressured <laughs> on 54% of his dropbacks. Max Crosby looked like Lawrence Taylor going up against Alejandro Villanueva, who's now moving over to the left side after being on the right side because Ronnie Stanley's going to be out. Yeah, they, I think Tyree Phillips is gonna be out for the next few weeks because of a knee injury. So this Ravens team is looking more like more and more like a mash unit every yeah. week. And now they're going up against a Steve Spagnolo defense who's gonna throw a lot of different looks at him. I think Chris Jones is fantastic. He played on the edge a lot in Cleveland's win, in the win against Cleveland. They're gonna be, this might be a little tough game for the Ravens offense, especially if they can't protect Mar.
0: Right. Right, and Jimmy Smith, I don't think, is going to be available either this week. So you're without those guys. They gave up some big plays, and they gave up some big penalties as well because you're playing zero coverage, and you wind up seeing, like, Patrick Queen. I think Averitt also had to, like, grab a guy going down the field, and you're giving up 20, 30-yard penalties. Exactly. Yeah, your thoughts on this big matchup?
2: Listen, this is a game I circled in August where, you know, you start to get into the beginning of the season, you think like, oh, what are the good matchups? Like, what am I really going to get hooked into? Where, you yeah. know, if I'm looking at the game on paper, you know, this is like when it's all theories in your head, it looks a lot of fun. And I thought that this is a Ravens offense before they were just plagued with injuries. This would be a really fun matchup. They're run heavy offense with a little bit more of a pass mix-in. That's a new addition this year, would be perfect to kind of counteract this Chiefs defense. And I mean, look what Cleveland did against them last week. 153 yards, total rushing, four touchdowns. I mean, really kind of ran it down their throat at points. And I, I mean, that's yeah. not even counting Baker's 321 passing yards. But I this is this is a very, very different looking Ravenstein than we saw in uh than we saw in the lead up to the season. I, I'm pretty excited still, you know. I think Lamar looks good enough through the air right now. I'm hoping. I, I mean, they're still missing Rashad Bateman. They're, it's mm-hmm. still not totally together yet. But I mean, the connection between Lamar and Hollywood Brown looks as good, if not better, than it's been since Hollywood arrived in Baltimore. Right. Uh, if they've got any shot, you know, I really hope that they can put something together with this, uh, this kind of, you know, makeshift offensive line, moving things around a little bit, getting Tyson Williams more involved. Uh, Hopefully, you know, maybe any of the running backs that they picked up in free agency, the Latavius Murray, Devontae Freeman, get them involved at all in this run game. But, God, it's Kansas City every year. (laughs) It's It's, it's
1: so difficult playing against them because Cleveland was up 22-10 at halftime. And finish with 29 points. <laughs>
2: it didn't matter. <laughs>
1: it does not matter against this team because it, they have a get out of jail, ADR, Tyreek Hill
0: touchdown pass. It feels like those old Patriots, prime Brady games where, oh, here comes their competitor. And the competitor has two injuries. Forget about it. It's over. Then we don't even have to talk about this game anymore. And, and that's the way it feels in this one. Uh, Bill Houston on the chat. Remember folks, when you watch us live here at, uh, on the Twitch uh, channel, as opposed to downloading us later as a podcast, which we appreciate, you can interact with us and ask questions or uh, complaints, cries for pity, etc. Bill Houston writes: Ravens do not match up well with the with ra- with the, with the uh, Chiefs. Frank Clark and uh, and the honey badger will be available for the Ravens, and Peter's injury was devastating. And I agree with all that. I think before
1: the injuries, I think the Ravens' run game matched up against the Chiefs' weakness, but now with every offensive lineman hurt, yeah. with all your running backs hurt, it's basically going to be Lamar and a bunch of dudes out there. <laughs> like, he's back at Boynton Beach High School. And <laughs> it's, it's going to be
2: tough, man. Listen, at least Lamar's good at running for his life. At least yeah. that's, like, a very big strength in his skill set.
1: Yeah, like you're playing right into his hand. Like, it's like those Yu-Gi-Oh trap cards. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bill, Bill, uh, Bill Houston also writes that Sammy Watkins was a good addition. He did he flashed a little bit on Monday night too, but of course he'll get injured soon. If there's an injury rash and Sammy Watkins is not involved in it, he isn't trying.
1: I will oh, really? say though, he, Hollywood Brown and Lamar, like Cale said, have looked really good. Um, I think uh going back to the single digits, I think every receiver who goes from double to single digits has immediately looked faster. Um, <laughs> what it is. I mean, Zay Jones was running away from Marlon Humphrey for a touchdown pass because nice. he was wearing number seven. That is mm-hmm. the only reason why.
2: Less fabric is faster. Exactly. Listen, credit to Sammy Watkins. I mean, he was kind of the fail-safe in the Chiefs offense at points. Like, it's I, – I came into the season kind of thinking that this is, you know, the weakest – as weak as the Kansas City Chiefs could look, the weakest team that Pat Mahomes has had. During his tenure at Kansas City, I mean, if you look at the Cleveland game, if Clyde Edwards, your third, like ranking third in your targets, it's, you know, Nico Harman, you know, Byron Pringles, basically your first guy off the bench in this offense. Right. And it's, it's tougher. It's definitely tougher for Pat Mahomes to work. And I think, you know, this is at least the most vulnerable they've looked because one Tyreek Hill or one Travis Kelsey injury puts this offense into a whole different tier. But I mean, the Chiefs have had pretty good injury luck, unlike Baltimore. They've been, so they've
0: been really
1: good with the injuries, and right. like we've said, like they have Patrick Mahomes. Like it's you can't really do much. I mean, there's, again, no, there's nothing. The Browns were up twenty-two to ten, and we didn't feel like they were going to win that game exactly. at all. Like it's like those, um, it's like those old Warriors teams. That Warriors team that ranked, that won seventy-three games. Yeah. No lead is safe because right. boom, three threes. And then you're, it's a downpouring. 180 yard touchdown to Tyreek Hill, and all of a sudden that momentum has shifted. Now they're just scoring at will. And next thing you know, 33 29, you're looking up like what happened.
0: By the way, uh, S. Vanderpool on the chat says quite a youthful crew here. And, uh, that's the goal. I got a little feel here, like my like my son's friends came over, and I'm making this awkward small talk. <laughs> so my son goes down; they can go out and do whatever they're gonna do here. Uh, but we, but it's Twitch, folks. We're going for that youthful demographic, and that's what Kale's here for. That's what JP's here for, uh, and also some uh, uh, Philip uh, on the chat said. I really hope the rest of the audience appreciated the Yu Gi Oh reference as much as I did. I did. I yes, got sir.
1: <laughs> Yes, sir. Like, yes, sir. I got that reference. You know, we got uh, we got Mike and Kale here with me. It's kind of like Goten and Trunks being with Piccolo. We got to get the training before we can fuse into one. And, you got,
0: and you're and you wearing your Goku shirt, right, JP? Exactly.
1: You see, you see
0: it. <laughs> there I we can't go. prepare today. Prepare for Twitch. We got all the anime references and gaming references we can possibly squeeze in here. Um, moving on from the big game, let's go over to some of the other games because that's not the only thing happening this week. There's stuff happening at one o'clock, stuff happening at four o'clock on Sunday, including Bill's Dolphins. Now, you guys were talking this up. Before we came on, you guys were talking this up as you are excited about this. And it looks like a snooze fest to me, an important game, but a snooze fest. Well, Cal, okay, tell me what you're looking for. Tell, get me excited about this game.
2: I mean, if you thought that this coming into this season, that this was going to be the Bills building, kind of like a Kansas City style uh, team structure where it's just a high-powered engine of an offense with sort of a bend-don't-break defense, Pittsburgh really threw a wrench into that very quickly. I mean, the yeah. uh, Melvin Ingram was running through that defensive line at will at points. It was still a pretty close game. Uh, it was a you know that 14 point swing of Pittsburgh touchdown blocked punt to yep. a touchdown. It you know 14 points come and go quickly. That kind of felt like it was anyone's game at one point. But uh, this is it's a just as tough of a matchup this week. Like, this Miami secondary is very talented. It's not it's not quite the pass rush that Pittsburgh can bring, but, I mean, with this offensive line, this is still a really strong defense line for us, brings a ton of creativity to the table. And this is, you know, it's definitely a matchup that needs a little bit more. It's a division rival, you know. So, it really comes down for me to can Josh Allen get his other guys going this week, right? It was really tough kind of seeing, like, it's Diggs main target, as usual, that's going to happen. Cole Beasley getting sprinkled in there, too. Emmanuel Sanders only had four receptions, which is, you know, you bring him in, you think it's going to be this extra little piece you can integrate into an offense, make it sort of, you know, really full tilt on all ends. And I, I think the biggest play last week was Pittsburgh breaking up that Emmanuel Sanders pass. It looked like it was a good catch. It looked like they were going to get Josh Allen, the Bills driving downfield, really seal that game. You know, Pittsburgh breaks it up, sets up third and six. Josh Allen gets sacked, and that sets up the punt block for a touchdown. That that ended up being what it came down to at the end. If they can get a lot more, you know, maybe some Dawson Knox sprinkled in there as well, maybe right. circle the ball around a little bit more, this can be a pretty good offense. But, I mean, for the Bills looking to kind of get started and put together a real, at least resume early on, saying that this is, you know, this is a Super Bowl contender in the AFC. This is one of the top teams in football. Two tough defenses to start out against. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot
1: of with what the Bills – what I saw from the Bills is you saw a little bit of the re- regression from the offense. I mean, last year they were extremely efficient throwing the ball deep. It was Josh Allen's like, career year throwing it deep. Wasn't as accurate on deep passes as he was right. this uh, past season. But the defense has gotten better. So now it's kind of evening out. Mm-hmm. Right. But I'm going to be – I mean, you really can't have Josh Allen be your best passing and rushing option. Right. I don't know if Josh Allen can be that guy who can lead your team in passing and rushing, and you win a lot of games. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see how Miami kind of schemes up pressures and kind of makes Josh uncomfortable because what uh, Pittsburgh did was they would rush, they would rush, like add in their sim pressures with a DB or a linebacker. But they would have an end kind of yeah. contain. So instead of Josh Allen just breaking contain and doing crazy Josh Allen stuff, you were forcing him to stay in the pocket. And then his Fitzpatrick was everywhere, breaking yes. out the grades. And on the side of the ball for Miami, kind of looked pretty good, kind of looked like what you expected from Tua, kind of being more of a point guard, distributing, getting the ball out real quick. Jalen Waddle was fantastic. Yes, he was. Last week, he scored on that touchdown. I really like that goal line play. They ran for him to get him open. But a lot of those plays might not work against Buffalo because they have a Tredavious White.
0: Yeah. And
1: Tredavious White's probably going to follow either Waddle or Devontae Parker. But you want are- to a back. fuller. You have fuller back. Which is going to add a lot of speed. So this is going to be a real fun game on both sides of the ball for uh, Miami.
0: Yeah, two things that I spotted. One was I looked at the DVOA Football Outsiders. St- sh- shocked to see Devin Singletary like near the top. That's like I missed the part where he was running the ball in any way, and I mean, he was kind of efficient in terms of getting some yardage on first downs. But they don't have a lot of creativity in their running game. Uh, things got very weird on fourth and short for the Bills. So I'm wondering how they're going to put all of that together because Singletary is playing decently, and they're getting this. That should be enough. That should be getting them more than 13 points, even against a very good defense. That's one thing. And we talked about it yesterday, Aaron and I, um, the uh, efficiency on third down for Tua and the Dolphins was terrible. When they were ahead of the sticks, first down passing, more quick game. He looked sharp. That ball distributing point guard thing looked really good. And then it would get to third and long. And it was like, there was no plan whatsoever for how to get out of this situation. And that's the concern for a team. A lot of us are like, well, are they a challenger for the bills? Are they a, Sleeper playoff team, etc. If they're not going to convert when they're behind the sticks, I don't know what the plan is, you know, for the Dolphins.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Dolphins are definitely, I mean, I really think that one thing I forgot to mention earlier is that this is the Dolphins front seven that also went up against a very fantastic Pats offensive line. Yeah. So it's a big difference in the actual amount of pressure they were going to generate against Josh Allen versus what they did against Mac Jones. I mean, they just, and up the one sack, 13 yards, they also kind of make him made him look like an idiot on that first drive where he's getting sacked and decides to just throw the ball behind him, not realizing that yeah. it's not grounding. It's a fumble.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one. But uh, by the way, Coffee Breath asked, What's going on with the Bills running backs? Do the Bills actually think Brita is better than Moss? I don't know if we have an answer for that. Maybe Brita is better than Moss. Brita did not do a lot from what I saw on uh he had a I mean- if, he if, was the recipient of that backwards pass from Hal on fourth and short, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, he tried to get I thought it was singletary, but it might have been Breedo, where uh Dayball tried to get a little too creative. Like he it was like <laughs> the best way I compare is like when my little brother plays Madden and like he tries to get too creative with the fullback fake halfback yes. clip on fourth and short, and it ends up being the worst play ever. Mm-hmm. Like it just try you're trying to be too cute. You have A 6'5", 240 quarterback, just a sneak.
0: Right, right. That's what I thought of. I thought of the fullback fake pitch, but at least the pitch is a pitch. And (laughs) Ideally, you're pitching to somebody who doesn't run fast in a straight line, like somebody who can jitterbug a little bit. I don't think a Matt Breida is that guy. Maybe Singletary is. Or you could have Moss if you activate him back there, and he's like, I'm just going to blow through the defender, but like there was an overhang cornerback standing there anyway. So it's like, Oh, you're going to run this pitch place. Like if you see a cornerback overhanging over there, if he, he didn't follow or whatever, don't, don't do it. Just don't do it. Exactly. Um, Jairs on the chat. And we're not going to talk too much about uh, Washington giants tonight because we'll all fall asleep instantly, but um, help me here. Do I got Washington D tonight versus the Giants? So fantasy advice, Washington D tonight versus the giants or Pat Steve versus the jets. This is a conundrum, guys.
1: <sighs> um, I think I would go with Washington's defense against the Giants because I think Zach Wilson is good enough to make some plays, especially down the field. He did that last week against a very, a very talented Carolina defense. Like We're going to be talking about this Panther defense. I think Kale's going to be talking about it a little later, but they're really good. And Zach Wilson made a lot of plays out of structure. I think that could hurt the Patriots a little bit.
0: I don't see it at all
1: with Giants, with this offense. I just don't.
0: And we're blind. We're all blind.
1: Yeah, we're all blind. Like You may say like you don't see it yet with Dale Jones. It's been like three years, man. If we don't see it now. We might not ever see it. And I don't think you have all of this talent at the skill positions. Galladay is a very good receiver. Darius Slade is a good receiver. Sterling Shepard's good. We know about Saquon Barkley. You have Kadarius Tony. It was a fun gadget option, but it's like you're giving the keys to your like Ferrari to a four year old with Jason Garrett. Like he, he don't know how to use that. He don't know how to drive this car.
0: I'll give him eleven year old. I'm gonna go, a little bit <laughs> little, we'll go eleven. Yeah. We'll go eleven. we'll
1: go eleven because like he he knows like he can reach what them. he can do. We'll He's not gonna them. do it. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't know what to do with this. Giants offense. So I would go Washington.
2: Okay. Yeah, I'm also leaning Washington. I think the biggest difference for me, especially from a fantasy perspective, is Washington's ability to generate turnovers. I mean, I think the biggest issue in Pat's dolphins last week was two got bailed out a lot by just the sheer fact that Pat's secondary dropped a lot of interceptions. And maybe yeah. that is like a bit of a luck thing. Uh, I know Devin McCordy almost had one, they had a lot of pass breakups, especially the Jalen Mills one that that gets tipped another way. That ends up in the hands of a bad secondary guy. But Washington against the Chargers was really able to generate pressure on Justin Herbert, even with that rebuilt offensive line. I still think that uh that fumble in the red zone, even Gene Starator got confused in game. I thought that was an incomplete pass. I thought there's enough yeah. forward progress under that gets generated into a fumble. But I mean, that ends up coming from just Chase Young. That comes from that front seven that Washington puts together. And, you know, even that secondary, still pretty skilled, still end up getting another red zone interception off of Herbert. And the Los Angeles Chargers, I think no one's going to deny this, are much better than the New York Times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Chase Young is going to be breathing down Daniel Jones's neck, especially with just all the volatility they've, yeah. they've had on that offensive line. It still doesn't look like it's working out, even though they've done a little bit of shuffling. Right. It's going to be <laughs> – it's gonna be fun, Earl. And yeah, I still don't really know what to make of the fact that this is like on paper really good, or at least not, no, I won't. Say, I will say really. <laughs> a solid, a solid receiving core. Yeah, a solid receiving. I, I, like you've got all the pieces there to at least kind of make it work. Like this is the most weapons Daniel Jones has had by far. Right. But I think Washington also faced a much tougher receiving core with a much more inventive and risk taking coach and Joel and yeah. uh, Joel Lombardi. So I I think really it's it's gonna be it's it's pretty obviously Washington. The Pats <laughs> D is pretty good and I think my biggest concern with starting the Pats D would just be like, yeah, Zach Wilson was incredible escaping at escaping pressure. It just looked like reruns of that one Johnny Manziel. Over and over and over. over. Just, I mean, I think the only difference is, is he really didn't complete half those passes.
0: And that, yeah. And one of my worries is he thought Shaq Thompson played for, played for the Jets. So he threw an interception to him. One bounced off of Thompson's hand. So yeah, I am torn on this between the idea that like, it's going to be a seeing ghost game for Zach Wilson and it's Daniel Jones is going to be Daniel Jones and the Giants gonna be the Giants. So but I'm going to lean. with you guys are going to go Washington on this um, because I saw Matt Scora was uh, was elevated to the starting, not to the starting line, but to the roster. Uh, and he was a great center for a couple of years for the Ravens. But he has Steve Sachs disease with shotgun snaps now, like every <laughs> seventh one goes a quarter mile uh, back into the Meadowlands parking lot. And if he winds up playing in any way, like that's that's the difference maker in this uh, for me. I mean, Daniel Jones fumbling check. We have that. Um, ball bouncing off the tight end of Ingram and into a defender's hands. Check. We got that. If we got a fumbled snap possibility in this too, definitely I want Washington in fantasy all the way.
1: Yeah, that's like bingo. Like we got a (laughs) a drop pick. We got Jason Garrett calling the jet sweep. (laughs) Yep. We got a fumbled shotgun snap. I mean, that offensive line is going to have a heck of a day. Over under on jet sweep.
0: Over under on jet sweep sweep. I'm going two and a half. You go over or under.
1: Oh, boy. Uh, Giants
0: only. Giants only.
1: Giants only. I'm going to go over. Okay. Because you yeah. can't run through the defense, try and <laughs> run around.
2: <laughs> yeah, hard over there. I mean, it seems like that's Jason Garrett's only way of getting Canary's Tony involved. And if that, at some point, you're going to need to want to show off your draft pick. But if that's the limitations of Jason Garrett's creativity, it's a hard over. Yeah,
1: we were <laughs> talking before the show that. Jason Garrett added jet sweeps like adding salt and pepper to
0: everything. It's <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> Put a little spice right. into it. Be a little frisky. Yeah. It
0: was sp- to his spaghetti and meatballs that he ordered at a five-star Italian restaurant. <laughs> uh, Bill Houston on the chat's like uh, giving the keys to an 11-year-old is exactly what happened when Dan Snyder bought the Washington Football Team. I agree. It's just a reminder that life in real life, Richie Rich is a horror story. If you guys watch Richie Rich. It's- <laughs> In real life, that's a horror story. That's a monster. And then be, since we're doing old references, Rivers McCann, hi, Rivers. says Tanir, what's a Steve Sachs? Guys, do you know what Steve Sachs disease is? Like well, really too old with that one.
1: That's a personal question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, Steve Sachs disease is not something that happens when you turn 50. Steve Sachs was a second baseman for the uh, Dodgers and a couple other teams who got a case of the yips and couldn't throw to first anymore. So he would ground ball would be would be go to Steve Sachs and he'd be like, and then he would like run over or like run and pitch it. And it was like this crazy. And he wanted to on the DH and doing other things like that. So Steve Sachs disease is when you can't throw from second base to first base, even though uh, when, even though you're a second baseman, or you're a center and you can't shotgun snap anymore. Um see, football outsiders. Where we learn about football and Steve Sachs' disease. <laughs> appealing to all demographics, Yu-Gi-Oh! You know, (laughs) old time baseball, old timey baseball, Richie, Rich. Uh, Let's let's get back on the football here. We got a Titans Seahawks game coming up and JP watching the Titans poop the bed had to be had to warm the cockles of your Jaguars fan heart last week. Oh,
1: my gosh. It made us losing to Houston a lot more. It made it a lot better because if I'm going to be honest, Tennessee was at home and just got ran out of their own stadium by Arizona. I think the biggest thing that I saw was that defense might be really bad still. Yeah. I, mean, I know it's Kyler Murray, but they finished last week, according to Pro Football reference, they finished last week with a 14.3% pressure rate, which was eighth worst in the league. Oof. They couldn't get pressure at all. And they they were trying everything sim blitzes, zero blitzes. They'd call cover three and it was they were just carving them up. And I think it's like what we said um, before the season started, like you're counting on Bud Dupree to one return to form after a torn ACL and two be your second best pass rusher when he's normally been a three, you know? So mm-hmm. they're really going to struggle to get pressure and they're going up against a Seattle team where I thought it was funny. Russell Wilson's uh, passing chart, next year stats released the passing charts, Russell Wilson's passing charts, He had like four 50-yard passes, but everything else was in the flats, Hmm. in the flats to the edges. And I think that's a lot of the Shane Waldron kind of Ram-style scheme where he's boot action and get all the flood routes to one side. But if Tennessee can't get pressure, then, oh, boy, it's (laughs) going to look bad because Russell Wilson is going to send D.K. Metcalf or Tyler Lockett on those crossing routes to deep posts, and Lockett got a – Um, I forgot who the safety for the Colts was on a a corner post, just Mm. completely left them in the dust. Mm. For Tennessee's offense, I was real worried coming into the season what Todd Downing would do with this very run-heavy play-action. Ryan Tannehill seems to work best with play-action. Didn't run play-action a lot against Arizona. Didn't run the ball a lot with their I think running the ball, I think that came with the game plan, but they went away from the run real early. And I think the Titans and the Ravens are one of the teams where you don't have to go for away from the run too early because you're so explosive doing it. Right. So to see them go to not only go away from the run, but go to straight drop back passing, it's kind of ringing an alarm bell in my head. Because it's like this isn't the Titans offense that you thought you would get at the beginning of the season. So I'm curious to see what they do. Um, Taylor Lewan had a real rough night. I kind of felt bad for him because Taylor Jones basically stole all of his lunch money. And now he's going up against a Seahawks team where I think three of their defensive linemen finished with five-plus pressures. Mm. Going up against Daryl Taylor, who had a heck of a day against Mm -hmm. the Colts. Carlos Dunlap's always going to give you pass rush. And this is – I hate to be so, like, overreactive to week one, but, man, it was not good for Tennessee.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, it's not just it's it's not one Chandler Jones now breathing down your neck for Ryan Tannehill. It's it is a multitude of players. <laughs> you could really send anyone that you want from mm-hmm. the Seattle defense at Ryan Tannehill, and it's not going to be fun. Mm-hmm. I've also been really high on the uh, the Derrick Henry regression train. Uh, I've done a lot of research into two thousand yard backs. I, I they have a total yardage drop off anywhere between. 25% and 50% if huh. – and those are only for the people that start all their games. Uh, Barry Sanders is the only person to run for more than 1,400 yards in a season. Uh, none of them averaged above 90 yards a game. Right. Uh, and, you know, it's it's looking like that. Up 17 carries, 58 total yards, no touchdowns, longest run of 19. Mm-hmm. But it's – I really think this is going to be – if it, if Tennessee can't bounce back, this is going to be very one-sided. I'm really uh, excited, especially while I did think that the uh, the narrative all season after the firing of Brian Schottenheimer, or the mutual separation between the Seahawks and Brian Schottenheimer, right. uh, where Pete Carroll was really preaching, like, we've got to run the ball more, we've got to run the ball more. I think one of the biggest innovations that they brought in this offseason is just the multitude of players that they can plug into this offense. It doesn't feel like it's just – throw the ball to Tyler Lockett, throw the ball to DK Metcalf, run it with Chris Carson a little bit. Chris Carson's still getting 16 carries, but, you know, D. Eskridge got two carries. Russell Wilson's running the ball a little bit more. Rashad Penny's getting integrated in there more. And Russ, to seven different players. Eight, if you count Freddie Swain, who didn't have a catch, but it, this is a little bit more, this is a bit more fuller of an offense. They're running different looks out of the same, or sorry, they're different. running different plays out of the same looks. Uh, it's, they're doing a little bit more deception than they have in the past. Yeah. It, this is, it, it's, you know, not as vertical as that Arizona offense, but I think there's still a ton of creativity that's going to give this defense, uh, this Titans defense that looked really poor on week one, it's going to give them a headache week two. It's a completely different challenge. It's not, you know, can you keep up with us? It's not, can you just contain all these different skill players we're throwing at you? It's yes. now asking the Titans defense, like, which one of these players do you really want to cover? Because we can go to like four <laughs> or five on one play now. Right and now, instead of trying to tackle Kyler Murray, you got to try to tackle Russell Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, a right.
0: Right. This one's coming in a little bit harder. If Kyler Murray, you know, was too much for here's the original. Here's the original recipe, uh, who's like far, far superior as a decision maker and a bunch of other things. I can still run. I can still do these other things. You, I thought, I th- JP, I think I saw you tweet one of the plays where Bud Dupree was chasing Kyler Murray and it was literally like, whoop, you ran past him one way, whoop, ran past him the other way. as Kyle then scrambled around and then I guess found DeAndre. Or it Christian
1: reminded Ron? me of, it was very Manziel-like, but yes. also it made me think of the Yakety Sack song going off in my head, but right. it ended yes. up successful because the Titans just can't get pressure. And if they can't, if they're getting pressure, then they're not getting home. And that's been my biggest problem with the Titans. Since Dean Pease left, they can't get pressure. And if they do get – if the rare occasion they do get pressure, it's not getting home. It's, it's it's asking a lot of Jeffrey Simmons and Bud Dupree. And now you're going up against Russell Wilson, who, if you give him time to throw, he's going to find a way to beat you deep. Right, Tyler Lockett's going to get open. DK Metcalf is going to get open. So <laughs> –
0: It could get out of hand real quick. It could. And by the way, in the chat right now, everybody's talking about Steve Sachs. Now we can add Yakety Sachs, Uh uh, who is Steve Sachs' younger brother, as everyone (laughs) knows. Uh, But uh, the other thing about Derrick Henry, I think it was a 17 for 59. He was eight carries for nine yards or nine carries for eight yards in the first half. Uh, They interviewed Dowling earlier or Downing the offensive coordinator for the Titans. And he said, you know, I had to get away from play action because we were in second and long, third and long all the time. It's like, yes, because you're handing off one first down all the time into the box. Henry, I, I, I think drop off is possible, Henry too, but, you know, Henry's gaining one yard or losing one yard. So you're in second and nine. Then a lot of the yardage and production you were talking about, Cal, it was in the third quarter they were down by more than two scores and they're handing off to Derek Henry to get him going,
2: which. Yeah, and, and, and especially just. The longest run he had was 19 yards. You take that right. away, and these numbers look way worse. Yes, yeah, and it was yeah.
0: 19 yards again. Again, I think it was a three-score game at that point. And yeah, he gets loose. There you go. You see Bud Dupree coming after you right now, you. Ah, He's yeah. like, no, "Sam's gonna fly."
2: He knows a little bit. <laughs> fly, fly, right, land on my nose.
0: Oh my god! You gotta, you gotta pluck those out of the air here. We're on Twitch. We got expectations are high. But uh, but you know, and the other thing is, if you can run in the third quarter with Derrick Henry, you can run play action too. You know, you don't have to only run it three times in the entire game. And, and that's not you guys were talking about, set off alarms. I think that set off alarms everyone about how this Titans offense and defense are going to are going to proceed moving forward. What let's see what do we got next here. Let's see what's next on our list. We got we got a Saints Panthers game coming up. Uh, that game could be kind of fun. Cal, I'm really a, excited. Kel, did you get a long look at the Panthers at all this this week?
2: I took I took a I took a quick look at the Panthers, but I really got speaking of looks, I took a long look at the Saints. Okay, Lasik Jameis looking great against a pretty pretty tepid <laughs> Packers uh, Packers defense. I mean, this is if you had any concerns about the Saints coming into this season, I, I understand it's a bit, uh, you know, it's still a bit early. It's week one overreaction time. But right. we're parlaying those week one overreactions into week two predictions. So I really think that this is a team that, you know, on offense still has one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. I guess the Packers secondary made a pretty low-reserve Saints offense or uh, Saints receiving court look like, Nothing's changed. Where they've right. still got, you know, multiple weapons. Uh, they don't have Michael Thomas, but I mean, they really made some of these Adam, guys look like all Adam broke. Troutman, Chris Hogan, yeah, yeah. Chris Hogan coming out The
0: Texans missed him. How did the Texans? Rivers, you're on there. How did the, the on the chat? How did the Texans miss Chris Hogan? They thought he was still playing lacrosse. <laughs> he was. That's the
1: thing.
2: <laughs> he played this summer professionally. But yeah, this is – I mean, I, I touched on it a lot in uh, in any given Sunday this week, but the Saints, they look really confident, and especially mm-hmm. this defense. This defense is tough. This is a team that, you know, really kept Devontae Adams limited during their game. It's, you know, as limited as Devontae Adams mm-hmm. can look, but, you know, getting to Aaron Rodgers pretty consistently, uh, creating some pressure, uh, both off pass rush and just making Aaron Rodgers hold the ball longer – you know, keeping those Packers receivers locked up. And yeah. the Panthers look good. I'm really excited to get back on the, uh, you know, the Jets screwed up by cutting Sam Darnold. Train, <laughs> oh, uh, oh, that uh, that Robbie Anderson connection where he's doing the airplane down the field, 57-yard mm-hmm. catch. That was really fun to watch. It was it was a really fun storyline for a revenge game. But this is a completely different beast that they're tackling this week. This is a Saints team that looks really competent that's really motivated especially looking at all the uh there were a lot of quotes especially from Sean Payton and now Kamara talking about like all the adversity they'd faced not being able to actually practice in New Orleans playing in Houston for most yeah. of them, having played neutral territory game in week 1 and basically both of them said yeah, no one no one cares we just have to go out and perform and they did they took down a NFC team or the uh, Packers team that represented the NFC in the NFC championship, lost to Tampa Bay, but this is, you know, they had the reigning MVP on their roster, and even though if he was flirting with taking a Jeopardy job, he they made him look <laughs> as bad as he's looked outside of that first Tampa Bay game they played uh, yeah. last year. Uh, it's, it's some of the worst he's looked. I brought it up. There's never been a team in the history of Football Outsiders DVOA that has led the league in offensive DVOA one season and then open the next season with the worst offensive VOA in football, or wow. passing VOA in football. This was a bad, bad offense for the Packers. And if they can, you know, Devontae Adams is very different than DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. There's, you know, still competent receivers, yeah. definitely, but it's it's a different beast in time. I think it's, I, I'd like to think that it's close. I'd like to think that Sam Darnold, this is where he tests his metal a little bit further. And actually just proving it against the Jets team where he's, you know, really motivated coming in. No one really looks still Robbie. It's, it's still so funny to me that Robbie Anderson was in three years with the Jets. Robbie Anderson was by far the best weapon that he possibly had. And now he's Mm -hmm. maybe his third or fourth best option to throw to. It's, it's a completely different team, but you know, this is still, I having injuries on the Saints defensive side of the ball uh, is definitely going to hurt him going forward, but I still think, you know, this Panthers offensive line is, you know, it's still pretty tough. It's, it's, yeah. I understand the Packers had some injuries that they were dealing with, but this is still a, uh, they, they were still pretty competent offensive line. Aaron Rodgers at the fifth most times to pass in, uh, in week one, uh, he only got sacked the one time uh, on a, you know, miss action where Marcus Davenport ends up tackling him for a 15 yard loss. But, you know, I think this Saints defense is really good. It's, it feels one-sided. I, I'm really optimistic about Sam Darnold, as optimistic as you can be about Sam Darnold. But <laughs> I, I still I want to root for them. They're a little scrappy underdog, and I yeah. just don't think this Saints team doesn't look like it truly lost a step.
1: Yeah, I mean the one thing that surprised me about the Saints defense playing the Packers is, is how impatient they made the Packers look. Yeah they, yeah, yeah, they didn't even blitz, but the Packers offense is built on patience. They'll take the runs. They'll take the five-yard gains. They'll take the short pass into the flats. And then Aaron Rodgers will hit you with a 40-yard bomb. Right. we forced Aaron Rodgers to be impatient. And that's what caused the turnovers. That's what really surprised me the most, like how impatient the Packers were and how the Saints forced them into that. They didn't blitz a lot, but right. they, were getting, they were getting pressure. They weren't even getting that much pressure. It was just the one times where Cam Jordan would get close. Boom! Interception to a day. Yep. Boom! Interception on a deep pass. But this pack, this Panthers defense, man, I've <laughs> I was surprised. I think it might have been the Jets offensive line. Yeah, I think oh. there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Panthers yeah. defense plays so aggressive and so fast at every level. Yeah. I think Brian Burns. Is going mm-hmm. to have a legitimate, like, potential defensive player of the year case this season. Wow, okay. <laughs> because cool. he's, he's given offensive linemen fits mm-hmm. this year. He has this ghost move where he'll, like, show his hand and then dip right under the offensive lineman's hands. It's absurd. Derek Brown is coming into his zone on the interior. Shaq Thompson, single digit Shaq Thompson, is exponentially faster than 54 Shaq Thompson.
0: <laughs> there it is. It is. is Less fabric, 50- faster. faster. Exactly. It's less fabric.
1: I yes. think Nancy Horn is playing great for them as a rookie because he brings the yes. edge to that defensive back room. He's going to commit the penalties because he's so pansy, mm. but you want him on your team because he's going to play hard. He's going to play tough through the whistle. But like you said, man, this Saints team, didn't move a step. Right. Like. Sean Payton turning Jameis Winston into the ultimate efficient deep ball guy (laughs) was not something that I expected. Like, you saw him start throwing away passes instead of forcing it. That is not the Jameis I remember. (laughs) Man, this offense looks like it didn't misstep. And I think it goes along with the offensive line being one of the best in football. They were able to get Kamara going in the run game. They were getting Kamara everywhere and then that opened up the play-action deep passes to Deontay Harris. Man, it just makes this Saints team look so much better now that you can stretch the
0: field. I'm a little less excited about the Panthers than you guys for the reasons we talked about because it was the Jets, et cetera. I I didn't mention the Panthers' offense. No. yeah, Yeah, Well, they get to the 20-yard line, and it's field goal time, ladies and gentlemen. It's still field goal (laughs) time. I don't think they practice that at all. And I'm trying if you hear me like uh like vamping a little, I'm trying to find the defensive player of the year odds for Brian Burns. He's at plus 4,000. So take you got you got your nice uh what's that 40 to one odds on Brian Burns. If you want to play that for defensive player of the year, that's a bold call. I'm not I'm not making funny, I'm saying that's a that's a cool sleeper call if you want to go there with that. Yeah, a sprinkle
2: a little bit on that. You don't need to put take too much risk. I'll take on spider it. Burns. I'll All take right. spider.
0: Right, right. The uh and the thing about the, the Saints, and I'm not down on the Saints by any means, but a lot of what we're talking about was very situation dependent in that game. Both the frustration and the uh, the impatience of Aaron Rodgers to make things happen because it was already they were already trailing, they were already falling behind. Mm-hmm. And Winston getting, being able to be to, to throw the ball away because he's up by a couple of scores, so he's able to make those decisions. So I'm still taking the Saints in this game, and I still think the Saints are gonna roll away there, but I am I want to see more of the efficiency of Jameis Winston when he's trailing, when he's got to fire the ball, when he's not at the 20 yard line or the 12 yard line off of a turnover right away. And I will ask you one more thing before we go to the next game. We did get the injury news. Marcus Davenport looks like he's out for this game. Does that change your perception of that defense a little bit, or do they have enough depth at that position?
2: Not quite. I mean, this is still, it still feels like it's Cam Jordan's defense. It still feels like they've got a big presence in that front to actually get pressure. I think the biggest difference in the game was actually, uh, Third down. Uh, While Aaron Rodgers was on the field, uh, I think there were seven total third down situations. One get called back because of an Alan Lazard crackback block. But even then, A.J. Dillon ran the ball. It was third and one, runs into the Saints' front for zero game. So I'm still counting it as a loss. So in those seven situations, they ended up forcing them to 0 7. They didn't pick up a third down first, or they didn't pick up a first down on third down until Jordan Love came into the game. And the Panthers didn't do great against the Jets' defense either. They went four for 14 on third down. So they could still get that pressure, and it's a weaker offensive line than the Packers had. Uh, it's a you know less skilled offensive line than the Packers have had. Right. I think it could still absolutely generate that. Yeah, like you said, I'm still I it, I'm optimistic on the Saints. I'm really high on the Saints. It didn't look like they missed a beat last week, but we still need to see that same sort of measured delivery from Jameis. Uh, and uh, per next gen stats, he was fifth in uh, CPOE and he was okay. ninth lowest in uh, aggressiveness index. Okay. He was one of the least aggressive quarterbacks in the uh, in football last week with a that is was, weird man. <laughs> like, it's not the Jameis you expect. He,
0: he didn't have to be, though. He didn't have to. That's what you got to watch out for. It's like, oh, he wasn't taking a shot. It's like, I can dump the ball, or I can dump the ball and kick a go field goal and win by 20 or whatever. So, you have to, you have to. Again, I'm excited too, but we have to measure it a little bit. Based on
2: what
0: um. Brian Knowles does point out four trips inside the 10, one touchdown for the Panthers last week, and that was two field goals and one botched handoff between Sam Darnold and he he bumps the ball into the fullback, and they fumble. That rule,
1: football baby.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so the joke that like they don't pra- Teddy Bridgewater said they don't practice. Well, if you want to show me you're practicing now, don't bump the ball into the fullback. And the goal line formation where it's like you probably don't have the fullback on the field very much. Otherwise, this is where you would have practiced that. Um, And another question comes in from Useful Title. It's like, well, new D.C., defensive coordinator in Green Bay, right? Could that account for how the Green Bay defense looks different? Well, I didn't see a linebacker trying to cover a slot receiver, so that's a plus. Mike Patton's not there. What did you guys say?
1: Um, Honestly, I don't think it was there. many problems with scheme. I think it was just the Saints offensive line was moving people.
2: Yeah. Like
1: they couldn't, they couldn't get pressure on Jameis. They weren't doing anything in the run game. Football games are one up front. If you can't win along the offensive defensive lines, probably not a good chance you're going to win. The Saints have arguably a top three offensive line in the NFL. From Ramcheck and Armstead on as tackles, you got Eric McCoy as center. They can move people in their outside wow. zone run game. If they're getting consistently three, four yards a carry, you're not going to beat them, especially if Jameis is going to play uber efficient and the Saints defense is going to cause turnovers. They're just not going to win. So the Packers really, I don't, I'm not worried about them. I just think they ran into a team with pretty much, they had their hand. They had their, uh, they called their hand in every single facet of the game.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can't also forget about Alvin Kamara in that scenario because Alvin Kamara looked like this offense is going to, as much as James, we want to talk about James, this offense is going to run through Alvin Kamara. Sean Payton is really adjusting to that strength where we have one of the best offensive lines in of football. We have one of the best cat, uh, dual threat running backs in football. We're just going to run through that. We're gonna have him as an outlet whenever Jameis panics, throwing into the flats. It's not something Jameis was used to in Bruce Arians' offense, but now he's in Sean Payton's offense. Now he has a little bit more flexibility and actually has some better checkdown options. It's it's really multi like this offense is fun, even with the departure of Joe Lombardi. This is a fun, like I can't believe that Sean Payton's doing this with Jameis Winston. This is no. One- <laughs> who could have predicted this in all the permutations and all the possible outcomes of this Saints <laughs> offense? Strange. Who could There's have... only
0: one. There's only one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And with Adam Troutman and with Chris Hogan and with Traquan. Uh, I mean, Chris Hogan. He was throwing touchdown that's The to Chris Hogan.
2: Yep. He was playing yep. professional <laughs> lacrosse this summer.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and Sean Payne's just like, hey, man, you want to come play football? Sure. Catch a touchdown pass
0: week one. Love it, love it. Now, we saved the best question mark, question mark, question mark for last as we go through our games here. Cowboys, Chargers. Oh, yeah. Nobody manufactures drama for no apparent reason like the Dallas Cowboys. And, J.B., you've been watching some of this, both with with the injuries and some of the other questions over there in Dallas. Oh, man.
1: Uh, Dallas is the land of controversy. Everything is bigger in Texas. It is the land flowing with controversy and barbecue. And starting this week, (laughs) They had Demarcus Lawrence. He went down to practice with a foot injury. He's going to be out for a while. The saga of Zach Martin is one of the weirdest things I've seen in football this Stonest. year. It's so, it's so dumb. But <laughs> I think Cowboys fans took solace in the fact that they hung in there with the reigning champions for basically the entire game. And I know Mike Florio is real mad about it, but they had to <laughs> throw the ball because you are running right to the stomach of Vita Vea. I think this week going up against a Chargers defense that's going to be real versatile. You know Brandon Staley is going to bring his defense to uh, Los Angeles. I think they showed a lot of different looks against Washington. They would have Derwin James in the slot causing havoc. Then they'd have Chris Harris. I think a matchup is going to be interesting is what they're going to do with C.D. Lamb. C.D. primarily lines up in the slot. Are you going to go with a bigger, more physical guy in Derwin James? Are you going to go with more of a finesse option in Chris Harris and have Derwin and play safety over the top it's just going to be fun because Brandon Staley's defense basically coaxes you coaxes you into running the ball I think Zeke Elliott is going to have a bounce back game where he actually sees more than three touches <laughs> I think Kellen Moore had a bunch of fun looks with 21 personnel he would have both Pollard and Zeke in the game yep. I think he's going to go back to that a lot because it just creates real fun looks um, this Cowboys defense, uh, it might not be that good. It, it <laughs> they down. lost their
0: best player to a foot injury. They, they lost make their best better, player. Right? But, yeah. I
1: mean, I know they're going up against Tampa, but Brady kind of they carved them up real yeah. bad. And now you're going up against Justin Herbert and a Chargers team and an offense that looked not only like real good throwing the ball down the field, but Justin Herbert was doing the breeze, three-step, no-hitch, quick game. Yeah, he's consistently hitting on that, but can still hit the honey hole cover two shot like he did to the far side of the field. Just call it a wrap because <laughs> you can't you can't beat those. Those are the type, the kind of throws where you're just like you gotta charge it to the game. Those are the throws where you're just like okay, you beat me with that, you can have it. But Gus Brad, not Gus Brad, Dan Quinn, you, you know the Seattle thing. I'm right. the same thing. I do the same Dan thing. Quinn is gonna have to. Come up with a real interesting game plan to try and either get pressure on Justin Herbert or show him different looks. I think with Tank Lawrence not playing, we're gonna see a lot more of Michael Parsons blitzing. I
0: mean, what you can do now that you have Michael Parsons, just put him in defensive end. You can problem solve. You can get all your linebackers on the field without a rotation. Exactly. Mm. That exciting. Three (laughs) thousand linebackers. This is like Houston (laughs) and all their running backs.
1: They got 3,000 linebackers in Dallas. Just move Parsons, the defensive end, have Jabril Cox. You have Van Der Esch and David Smith all on the field at the same time. It's going to be a really fun matchup. Um, I think a lot of points might be scored, but I'm really intrigued to see how Brandon Staley kind of matches up with CeeDee Lamb in the slot because CeeDee Lamb is one of the better slot receivers we have in the league because of how big he is. He's a bigger slot receiver and the matchup with him and Derwin James or Chris Harris might be the one that dictates the entire game.
0: Right. We also have no Michael Gallup, which is going to change things. No Gallup either, so we might yeah. see a
1: lot more of CD on the outside. I think Cedric Wilson. Yeah. But it's going to be a fun matchup.
2: Yeah, if you don't want to watch a defensive game like Buffalo-Miami, tune into this one because it is going to be <laughs> an offensive showcase. I mean, yeah. Yeah. look Defenses at Defenses are optional. Yeah, No. I mean, Dak Prescott throwing 58 times on Thursday night football. Justin Herbert throwing 47 times against the Washington football team. This is – it's going to be pass-happy. I'm really – God, I loved watching this Joe Lombardi uh, offense run against Washington. This is about as good of a test as Los Angeles could have asked for last week, especially after such a – not necessarily a rebuild offseason, more of a retool offseason. Integrating that offensive line way more – or reworking that offensive line and then getting to actually see it against the front, like Washington's, yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's going to be night and day compared to uh, what Dallas is going to bring to the table. Uh, I'm still really excited about this is this passing attack, especially. I mean, Justin Herbert, if anyone talks about a sophomore slump for Justin Herbert, it, again, <laughs> let's, week one overreactions, but there's no slump <laughs> in sight right now. But I, it's, it's not just that. Though. It's actually being able to see Austin Eckler not get thrown some, like, limp screams on third and long like mm-hmm. he did in the Anthony Lynn offense <laughs> actually being able to like get him to run outside a little bit more getting him more involved in the passing game it's also it's really great to see Mike Williams actually living up to some first round pick potential yeah and not just you know it felt like every time I watched the Justin Herbert Mike Williams connection last year it was on this arcing 50 plus yard pass right in the end zone like it, yeah a ball that had as much hang time as most punts do. Like it, it, like he was a field stretcher, but it felt one dimensional. And now, actually seeing him be more used right. in a way more versatile offense, and it's again, it's kind of like the changes that Seattle made from last year to this year. It's not just running through Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen; they're actually getting. Like they had seven or eight guys actually catch passes this weekend. They ran through their list of running backs. Justin Herbert's taking a couple scrambles here and there, but it was this was. Oh, I'm I'm so excited for this Chargers. It, Bro, it, I'm so excited about this Chargers offense.
1: They were one, they were one of the teams that I projected to be better than our uh than our preseason rankings this year, mm-hmm. just because I think this offense is going to explode, man. You can now involve you can incorporate the deep shots Justin Herbert can take. With the quick game of the Saints, and Justin Herbert runs that really well. Yeah. I think he's going to be able to run that really well. But he's doing, like I said, the three-step quick drops, no hitch, just getting the ball out. And then, like I said, he's got those, uh, I think Nate Tice said it, where he's just, he can go get you a bucket as a quarterback. He's goes to charge it to the game
0: throws. we like, there's no defense, better defense you can play against him. Wow! Wow! The uh, by the way, the the Cowboys are three and a half point underdogs in this game, which is just it's just surprising. I don't know. Does that entice you in any way? You get the Cowboys plus three point five. Would you are, you? are you feeling it? You look at your, you're, you're considering it. I'm kind of considering it just because I think in a shootout anything can happen. Right. The
1: first person the bl- the first uh, shooter to blink first, you might see an upset, but I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, it really – like, the one thing that's holding me back from that is I don't think these teams are – especially after the injuries to both offensive line and defensive side of the ball. Yes. Uh, it These teams don't seem – I think the uh, – I think the, like, home field advantage for gambling is, like, two and a half to three points. Yeah. So if that's the case, then I don't think that these teams are dead even at the moment at least, at, at least from what they showed last week. Hmm. Tampa Bay was really able to pass just at will on this Dallas defense. And I think – if it's got the inventiveness of a Joe Lombardi offense, not saying, you know, it's, you know, it's Bruce area, So it's, <laughs> right. it's, I'm not right, discounting it's that. It's by, fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not discounting that by any means, but it is like, it's just something we haven't really like Dallas hasn't had a chance to scout this and they've got one week of source material to work off. There's still a lot more that Joe Lombardi and Brandon Staley can actually throw at this team. And I think with the injuries that Dallas has been toughering, it's, right. this isn't, this isn't three and a half. It actually makes me a little bit more favorite on the chargers. It's, you know, it is still them playing at SoFi stadium. So there's not much home field advantage to be had considering it's going to be mostly filled with Cowboys yeah. fans. It's going anyway. to be a
0: Cowboys crowd.
2: Yes. But it's still, it, you know, at most that makes it a neutral site. So
0: yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm still
2: really, I'm still really high on the chargers. It, I, I, I was, a, I'm really high on them, but I was a little hesitant. It felt like it was a, Kind of like the 2018 Browns, I think, where or uh, no, sorry, the 2019 Browns, where you know Baker Mayfield gets the ESPN, Cotton's profile, every pundit you could name is picking the Browns as a bit of a dark horse, and they kind of you uh-huh. know fold a little bit early. It's it's not near anyone's predictions, and I thought you know we were all we were all a year early on the Browns. Are we all going to be a year early on the Chargers? But I mean, a really impressive showing week one, plus injuries to Dallas, a pretty big, you know, significant impact on a Dallas team. This is – it's feeling pretty one-sided charges. But, again, week one overreactions. We love them.
0: A yes. couple, po- couple of points here. One is the over-under on this is plus 55. We might bang on that. Uh, I would be jumping on the Cowboys if it was a normal injury situation and didn't feel like the Cowboys organization was all about the, oh, my God, what are we doing without L- Al Collins? What can we do without this? They're not a normal team that says, oh, we got a couple injuries, the next man up. <laughs> They're like, oh my god, Zach Martin! You better move him to right tackle, and maybe we got to move Michael Michael Parsons because we don't have a pass rusher besides uh, Tank. And it just it gets completely in their heads. I don't have any trust in. You're talking about Lombardi. You're talking about Stale. I have no trust in 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 uh, I almost said Garrett and McCarthy, and then uh, Jerry Jones to not turn this into like a big like quarter in a can where they can't figure out how to uh, how to get past the fact that a couple of the guys got hurt in Week One, which is what happens. Like, there's more pessimism. About a team that almost beat the defending champions, then there should be right now based on the idea like, oh, yeah, one key player got suspended, but uh, uh, and one guy got hurt, but like it shouldn't be that, it shouldn't feel like that's the end right now, and it does for the Cowboys. And uh,
2: by the way, I mean, t- good. Uh, I was just going to say that the biggest farce that's been told to us in the last year to two years is the uh, Mike McCarthy analytics boot camp story. Oh, okay, is- yeah,
1: I don't don't even think he showed up at the PFF headquarters. I think he drove past it, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Put that on. You're going to tour the office.
0: (laughs) Uh, Guys, when you get a little gray in your whiskers, you're going to learn how these promotional opportunities work, but we're not going to dwell on that right now. Uh, (laughs) I will point out that uh, useful title, point out, like you guys said, it's going to be a Cowboys fan situation. In LA, there. So, I, and I, I don't think we can discount that entirely. That you, the Chargers are going to go out there, and it's going to be it's going to be a Cowboys fan uh, group there. And Rivers points out Rivers McCown. Dak only threw for 266 in the Rams last year when Sally was the defensive coordinator. And granted, it's not the same, but it's an interesting point there that that, uh, that yeah Staley has faced this Cowboys office faced Dak before and has already come up with some solutions for. Him.
1: And I mean. If you don't have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, I think another great duo is Derwin James and Joey Bosa. He he did so many interesting things with that defensive front on third down, just giving the uh, Washington football team so many different looks with mug blitzes, with stunts and twists. I'm interested to see what he does to this Cowboys offensive line, Mm -hmm. just using Joey Bosa as kind of a chess piece, like the queen on the chessboard. Just move him here we'll operate our defense around that. He did the same thing with uh, Derwin James and Chris Harris, hmm. man. I'm just real worried about Dallas's corners for this <laughs> week. They're going to, cause I think, I think
0: they left looked a little better. Diggs looked a little better, but like when they got to, they had to go to that third guy, they had to go to, I guess it's Brown now. And I that think, was trouble.
1: Yeah. I think they're going to find somebody once they find uh, the red X. Then they're gonna keep attacking it. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what happened against Tampa. And I mean, I hate to sound so much like I'm super high on the Chargers, but I really am. <laughs> like this <laughs> this team might be real fun.
0: Oh man. I did enjoy and I enjoyed the Chargers. I think we all did the offensive line. I think we were all talking about Slater the most, but overall that offensive line looked very strong. And that's that's how that they that stirred the drink against Washington last week.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty promising when the only starter that you brought back in Brian, Brian Bulaga is arguably probably the worst performing of those five. Uh, it's pretty it's – you know, I that mean, spells good improvement. Slater was
1: fantastic on Sunday. Like, going up against Chase Young and basically when on those pass rush snaps, he held his own and more yeah. against yeah. Chase Young and that Washington front. I mean, the sky's the limit for this Chargers team especially the offense.
0: Awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you have been watching the Chargers fan cast here on. <laughs> We've been watching shots and Tanner, football outsiders live without shots, but with JP Acosta and Cal Clinton, and we're going to wrap things up right now for the week. Don't forget that you can tune in tomorrow and you can catch the, uh, one of uh, Scott Spratt's shows here. I'm sorry, I lost here. The fantasy football show with Scott Spratt and Scott Pianowski. And you can check back here on the Football Outsiders Network on Twitch five days a week. Five days a week, we'll be covering things. Until next time, I'm Mike Tenere. That's J.P. Acosta, Kyle Clinton. Enjoy Giants Washington tonight. And enjoy week two's action in the NFL. Take care of